Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 53. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Chad Owen. Good evening, Brooklyn. Good morning, Sydney. I am very excited about this brand new series that we are dropping here on the Moonshots Podcast, and boy, do we have a, a doozy of a lineup. Hoo-ha! I mean, this, this Chad, this has got to be... One of the, I can't remember being this excited about um, starting not only a new series, but just getting into what has to be one of our absolute favorite thinkers, favorite writers. Whew. I'm glad, I'm glad we've got all of his books uh, in the office. We've got your bourbon straight out of the US of A just to accompany this journey. But tell, tell our audience, Chad, who is the treat that we have not only for this show, but many more. We have listened to you, the audience, and taken our most popular episode by far. We're talking 20x uh, the popularity <laughs> of our other episodes and, and not doubling down or tripling down, but we're quintupling down on bringing you the insights and knowledge from Simon Sinek and all five of his books, one that's not even out yet. <laughs> so, so for the for the uh, listeners who are really listening, they're probably thinking, guys, how can you do a show on a book that hasn't been written? <laughs> ha ha! We have a way to do this, Chad. I am so excited about this because I have I, I put Simon Sinek right up with the likes of. You know Stephen Covey, who who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I put him right up there with Dale Carnegie on how to win friends and influence them, because what Simon Sinek has been able to do is to write in a way that is so relatable, and equally the content is just as good. Mm -hmm. the 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 focus he puts on leadership in such a relatable way has been immense, not only in my personal life, but also in my professional life. And I know you and I are forever using his, you know, circle of why framework. And I think what you and I just are always jamming on and talking about and discussing and challenging ourselves on is how we can be not only better at our work, but just better people through using some of his ideas. Simon Sinek is immense. And I'm so excited to be doing this. I mean, tell us, Chad, like what effect has his writing had on you? I like Simon because he takes big ideas and boils them down into very simple and concise concepts. And they usually have some kind of nice uh, visual to go along with them, metaphors and analogies and historical examples. And he combines all of those elements together to weave a really not only interesting, but educational in, in an educational way that makes it very easy to follow his ideas. You know, you compared him to Stephen Covey and, and Dale Carnegie. I think it's a very apt comparison because he's got that folksiness of them. Hmm. And, hmm. you know, before, before we hit record, we were talking about how he's different from someone like a Jim Collins that wrote good to great. And the other that wrote uh, the five Dysfun dysfunctions of a team. I can't remember his name. 
Patrick Lencioni. Yeah, and their their work is much more kind of in the business speak, uh, you know, corporate world. That's kind of the framework with that they're coming from. And right. while it's very highly uh, researched and, and and scientifically backed, especially in the case of, of Jim, uh, the the work that Jim Collins does, I don't want to undermine that because uh, his his findings are extremely robust. Mm. But like, you know, the conveyance of the idea is a bit harder to, to get behind. The exception to that actually is um, Jim Collins's latest book. What does he call it? It's an imprint. It's a small book about uh, turning the flywheel mm-hmm. um, where he condenses like his previous five books into, you know, 60 pages. And I think he does a much better job there. Oh, that's neat. And he's certainly borrowing from someone like Simon. Mm. But I just love how easy it is to pick up ideas uh, from Simon. And so we are starting with his first book, Start With Why, which grew out of uh, a TEDx talk that he gave, I believe, over 10 years ago. That's right. That's right. So a lot of our listeners may have come across this video where he actually, he talks about how Apple sort of re reinvented the way in which you marketing, putting everything around in a different order. And we, Chad, we are going to decode that We've got some clips from that very famous TED Talk, which is like, you know, 20 zillion billion views and, and all that good stuff. And that was the that was the thing that ignited the Simon Sinek uh, streak, if you will. Um, he's, he's just been on fire. I believe it's the third most popular TED video in history. What, the other thing that I love is that Simon has challenged us not just to be smart, not to be just like shrewd and and great thinkers, but I think the emphasis that he has brought is towards that great leadership requires not only great thinking, but great feeling too. Mm. Don't you find that that's what made him so disruptive in the last 10 years is that he really kind of said, guys, let's talk about feelings, motivation, um, how we, and I think here's the key bit, Chad, how we behave as rather than just how we think. For me, that's what sets him apart. Yeah, he's an interesting combination of like ethnographer, sociologist, motivational speaker, executive coach, consultant, um, you know, all of those things combined, I think, can help us not only learn from what he what he has written, but actually begin to unpack and think about some of the mental models he he uses and maybe how he comes up with these frameworks and how he observes hmm. what's going on in corporate culture and inside of businesses. This may be a bit dysfunctional or it could be better. Or he sees good things here and not there. And then learn how he's you know combining that again with these visuals and these historical examples to, to come up with his own frameworks. Because I think for me, he he, he has shown and inspired me that if you're a keen observer and you're really passionate about a particular subject or, or group of people, you know, you spend enough time with them and observe them, you can begin to learn these same things. So in Simon's work, he was a consultant and hung out with a lot of leaders. And I think he just thought very carefully about the, you know, what he was uh, observing. And then he you know, created a framework, the golden circle, that explained what he saw happening out there in the, in the marketing world. Yeah. I, I I think this is such a treat for our listeners. And if if you want to get any information on this series or you want to go back and check out our old Cinex show that we did, which was 
really fun. You can go to moonshots.io and you can get everything there. But before we jump into this first clip, Chad, for me, it's really important. We have a bunch of good stuff from Sinek coming up. We're going to uh, hear uh, from uh, Simon himself in almost every single clip. We've been very lucky that we've been able to capture him talking about some of the very, very key ideas, and and they they are covering a, an expansive area: how you work, you know, at the office, how you live life, how his tests, how his ideas not only echo in the office, but they are very resonant in the way we live our personal lives, how we can all be great leaders. And I think what's really exciting is we've got some some really, really wonderful insights. We've even found him talking about his own personal why. So he will we'll be able to reflect on that and discuss that. There's Chad, there's tons. There's so much. Yeah, I let you sneak in like 15 clips into this episode. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm glad I got up uh, early and just kind of went for it because um, I just, and this was hard to cut it down. But uh, with that being said, we, yeah, we started with about 30. Exactly, exactly. But I think the, the, the message here is there is so much to, to, to take from Simon's thinking. He's, he's, set up a bunch of great ideas that can inspire us all. I hope everybody listening today can take minimum three things out of this show. Usually I always talk about one. Let's make it three. And Chad, you better get us in there because we're all fired up. All right. So you have to apologize for some of the overly wrought motivational uh, music in some of these clips here. Don't don't kill the messenger. But yeah, I mean, we're going to dive straight into the core of Simon's framework called the golden circle and what it means to start with why. Why did you get out of bed this morning? What's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your company exist in the face of bombardment of manipulation and manipulation, manipulation, that's the marketplace. How do you get your message? to stand out? How do you get your message heard? Why should anyone listen to you? As it turns out, there's a pattern. As it turns out, all the great and inspiring leaders and organizations in the world, whether it's Apple or Martin Luther King or the Wright brothers, they all think, act, and communicate the exact same way. And it's the complete opposite to everyone else. All I did was write it down. I call it the golden circle. In the middle is the word why, the center ring is the word how, and the outside ring is the word what. It's this little idea that distinguishes those with the capacity to inspire versus everyone else. Every single organization on the planet knows what they do. These are the products you sell or the services you offer. Some know how they do it, whether you call it your differentiating value proposition or your USP. It's the things that you think make you special or different or better than your competition. Very, very few people and very, very few organizations can clearly state why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make money. That's a result. Why did you get out of bed this morning? And why should anyone care? Yeah, for me, Chad, like, it's, yes, it's inspiration. When you kind of uncover 
your why or your company's why or whatever organization we're referring to. It, yes, it's inspiration, but I think it's so much more than that. It's it's a window into how to become a great leader. Uh, I find thinking about my why or my company's why helps me make better decisions because it becomes the the organizing principle by which we can get things done and to know what matters to us. And and equally, if I think about the kind of personal life and family life that I want and why I want that, I mean, it all ties together. I think it's it's inspiration plus, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he packed a lot of things in into that. And I just want to let the listeners know that we will revisit many of those touch points. We're going to come back to the golden circle. We're going to talk about manipulation versus motivation and marketing, but we wanted to to play that clip to kind of get the Simon Sinek juices flowing here and get you all excited for <laughs> the 14 additional clips that we have here on the show. Okay. So you, you, you've laid down the gauntlet. We should just jump straight in and build on this. And what we're actually going to do is we're going to hear Simon now talking about how Apple uses their why. And the reason this matters so much is 10 years ago or so, this is where Simon hit gold. This is the thing, the original, the day zero of his thinking uh, being catapulted into the, into the public arena. And he did this by applying his thinking to Apple. So let's have a listen to Simon Sinek and go right back to where it all began. If Apple were like everyone else, a marketing message from them might sound like this. We make great computers. They're beautifully designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Want to buy one? Meh. And that's how most of us communicate. That's how most marketing is done. That's how most sales are done. And that's how most of us communicate interpersonally. We say what we do. We say how we're different or how we're better. And we expect some sort of behavior, a purchase, a vote, something like that. Here's our new law firm. Uh, we have the best lawyers with the biggest clients. We, have, you know, we always perform for our clients, do business with us. Here's our new car. It gets great gas mileage. It has you know, leather seats. Buy our car. But it's uninspiring. Here's how Apple actually communicates. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo. We believe in thinking differently. The way we challenge the status quo is by making our products beautifully designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. We just happen to make great computers. Want to buy one? Totally different, right? You're ready to buy a computer from me. All I did was reverse the order of the information. What it proves to us is that people don't buy what you do, people buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. This explains why every single person in this room is perfectly comfortable buying a computer from Apple. But we're also perfectly comfortable buying an MP3 player from Apple, or a phone from Apple, or a DVR from Apple. But as I said before, Apple's just a computer company. There's nothing that distinguishes them structurally from any of their competitors. Their competitors are all equally qualified to make all of these products. In fact, they tried. A few years ago, Gateway came out with flat screen TVs. They're eminently qualified to make flat screen TVs. They've been making flat screen monitors for years. Nobody bought one. I think what, and you know, the poor sound qualities, because this is the OG TED talk that he gave. I don't remember exactly where it's from, but yeah, this is before anyone knew who Simon was. 
there's so many interesting things in this that's like not even around the content, but just how he's looking at a company like Apple, which you and I have done here across five episodes, maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the podcast. And instead of just taking things at face value, he's willing to go back to first principles and really try to unpack and understand why a company like Apple has been so successful. And in the end, it's really simple because all he's doing is inverting the typical marketing narrative of here's, you know, here's what we do and here's how we do it. And then, you know, buy from us. And he's just like, Hey, if we invert that and start with the why we believe in thinking differently and challenging the status quo Yes, and everything we do is designed beautifully and, and, and user-friendly. And we also make great computers. Would you like to buy one? Or we like, (laughs) you know, we make great iPods and yeah. Uh, Apple TVs and computers and phones. Yeah. So it's so stupidly simple to me. Like I wish I had come up with it. <laughs> but like everything in life, Chad, brilliance of, often looks so simple, so elegant and easy. Yet the hard work in getting there is, well, it's hard. Um, look, to me, I'm asking myself, why does this matter so much to our listeners? And here's, here's my attempt at explaining that. Apple are, along with Nike, the greatest marketing company on the planet right now. Apple are able to be profitable in the computer and smartphone industry to a degree that is far beyond any of their competitive set. People pay more for Apple products. And what Simon Sinek just told us is the reason why. Because many years ago, it started with Think Different. Even before that, we had the famous 1984 ad, which to this day remains, and this is really important, the most successful television ad in the history of advertising. It was uh, produced and directed by one of my favorites, Ridley Scott. And it was a direct statement about not what they did, not even really how they did it, but why. And these various campaigns have created a halo so significant that they don't even need to call out, think different. Everybody still feels it. They don't have a 1984 ad running on every Super Bowl anymore, but people still know it and people still feel it. And it's this thinking that uh, is inside of Apple that Cynic has caught, and it makes it so powerful when you use this framework, because what we'll show you later on in the show is how you can use it too. But before we go deep into how you apply, how you apply this sort of thinking, what's really exciting, Chad, is in this next clip, you know, Cynic doubles down and says, well, let's pretend, let's get out of this marketing world. Let's look in, let's say, to a movement that has reshaped American and global culture. Um, And Martin Luther King has to go down as uh, one of the greatest orators in history. And this, this next clip is Cynic decoding what Martin Luther King was able to do and the change he could create using the same framework as Apple. How do you explain when things don't go as we assume? Or better, how do you explain when others are able to achieve things that seem to defy all of the assumptions? 
for example. Why is Apple so innovative? Year after year after year after year, they're more innovative than all their competition. And yet, they're just a computer company. They're just like everyone else. They have the same access to the same talent, the same agencies, the same consultants, the same media. Then why is it that they seem to have something different? Why is it that Martin Luther King led the civil rights movement? He wasn't the only man who suffered in a pre-civil rights America, and he certainly wasn't the only great orator of the day. Why him? And why is it that the Wright brothers were able to figure out controlled, powered man flight when there were certainly other teams who were better qualified, better funded, and they didn't achieve powered man flight, and the Wright brothers beat them to it. There's something else at play here. Why, how, what? This little idea explains why some organizations and some leaders are able to inspire where others aren't. Let me define the terms really quickly. Every single person, every single organization on the planet knows what they do 100%. Some know how they do it, whether you call it your differentiating value proposition or your proprietary process or your USP. But very, very few people or organizations know why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make a profit. That's a result. It's always a result. By why, I mean what's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your organization exist? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? And why should anyone care? Well, as a result, the way we think, the way we act, the way we communicate is from the outside in. It's obvious. We go from the clearest thing to the fuzziest thing. But the inspired leaders and the inspire or inspired organizations, regardless of their size, regardless of their industry, all think, act, and communicate from the inside out. Yeah, the, the interesting connection that I'm drawing between this clip and the previous is he kind of slipped it in in, in the last one. Mm. We do business and buy from people who believe what we believe. Yes. And so to create that connection, he says, start with the why. Because the what's, they're multiplicitous and diverse and innumerable. Mm. But the whys are so deeply personal. And like to the degree that a corporation can be personal. Right. I think it is, is their why. So Think Different is super relatable yeah. to all of us Apple fanboys. <laughs> In the same way that Just Do It is for all of the Nike aficionados. You got it in one, slam dunk, Chad Owen. That is exactly it. But what what is really powerful is when you talk about the why, it elevates the conversation. You don't get stuck in, are we making this sort of widget or that sort of widget? Or do I, um, do, I do this thing today or this thing tomorrow? When you get into the why, you can change people's attitudes and beliefs. You can create immense impact when you get into the why because it unlocks motivation. And, you know, when you start to speak to irrefutable truths such as we're better together, you know, making a difference, helping people realize their potential, when you get into these sorts of things, they're like life forces that that power us. They're the things that lift us to the highest of peaks, and they are the things that pull us out of the, the valley of darkness. Mm -hmm. In fact, what I'm going to challenge all of our listeners to imagine is that if you really get the why right, you can not only create a family or a company, I don't know, Chad, I think you can create 
a nation. That's some pretty big aspirations there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree with you in the same way that he links it to the civil rights movement. There's a fundamental injustice that is the why that drives it. And until that injustice is addressed, that movement still lives on today in, in the many continuing injustices. Mm. That, that is what drives th- that and many other related movements. And so I think you're... Uh, maybe applying it to a nation is uh, not quite uh, so far-fetched of an idea. Totally. So here it is. If you thought that this framework from Simon Sinek helped you create maybe a good ad campaign or a civil rights movement, I'm going to go one up. I'm going to double up. I'm going to triple up because I am so excited to share this next clip. This is Simon Sinek talking about how powerful this why framework is. And he unpacks how perhaps the greatest success, the greatest proof point of this framework is none other than America itself. People are always talking about visions and missions and all of this stuff. Um, And um, when people ask me, like, what example should I look to? Like, what company should I? I'm like, here's an organization with a vision a cause, it was founded with a, a cause. Um, it's an entrepreneurial venture. Mm-hmm. It's, it, America is an experiment, it's an entrepreneurial venture where a, a bunch of people got together and decided we needed to start our own country um, um, because there were certain obstacles that were getting in the way of a vision that we had of a better kind of country, but a kind of company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they stated it right out of the beginning, all men are created equal, mm-hmm. endowed with these unalienable rights amongst, amongst which include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it's not, a, uh, it's not just um, a competitive statement. Like, to be the best, to be the most respected, that's not what it was. And I'm amazed how many companies start their visions or missions right. with those, that terribly egocentric language. Right. It was an ideal. And the amazing thing is, is we've been good at it and bad at it in our history, mm-hmm. but it's endured for 240 plus years because we fundamentally believe that we are at our best when we're pursuing that. But it is an ideal. Mm. We will never actually achieve all people are equal, but we will die trying. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for a company, which is true vision inside a company, is something that has nothing to do with your product. It is an ideal to which you will attempt to build and advance that ideal through your company with your product. You'll never achieve the ideal, but you'll die trying. And this is what gives our work meaning. Mm. This is what gives our lives purpose, Mm. right? The difference between vision and a goal is the finish line. A goal is 26.2 miles. You can simply count the metrics and know when you've completed your goal. A vision is having a crystal clear sense of what the finish line looks like, but no idea of how far away it is. And it's, and the reality is you will spend your entire life never actually crossing the finish line, but the joy that every marathon you complete, you feel like you're getting closer. Every milestone that you accomplish makes you feel like you're getting closer and closer to the ideal, and this is what gives our life and our work meaning. Mm, the unachievable vision. Mm. I, I think that's a great way to think of, well, what, what should my why be? What should my company's why be? Because if it's got a simple answer and we, and we can see it next week or next month or next year, it's probably not big enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Because America is still working towards that ideal and it's t- almost 250 years <laughs> later. Yeah, I know. But, but, but Chad, I, I've lived in Australia, 
the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and the good old US of A. And I can tell you what makes America so different on a cultural level is it was born uh, with this desire to escape the repression of Europe, that there are these founding fathers, that there is a constitution, that there are amendments the First Amendment. I've like I've never lived anywhere in the world, Chad, which continuously references their own constitution like they do in the USA. Like the the spirit and the pride that you experience in the USA is unlike any other country. You know, this is often why outside of America, Americans are always perceived as being arrogant. But that's just because they're so damn proud and they have every right to be, quite frankly, because get over whatever turmoil is happening right now. In just over two, 300 years, look at what America has created. And that is your proof about having a constitution and a vision of a, a huge promise uh, of why they wanted to build a country that was different. I mean, to me, this is, if you didn't have it in Apple, and you didn't get there on Martin Luther King. I hope our listeners got there on America. Yeah. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify the document you're referring to, Mike, because I would actually go back to the Declaration of Independence, which is right. what Simon Sinek is is talking about. So this is the founding document that before we even knew how the government was going to be created, I mean, we, we had some rough ideas. It was going to be a representative uh, republic. In the second, in the first, second, and third paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence, that why comes through, right? The life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Those those ideals, the why, is in the very beginning of the founding document of the country. The Constitution came several years later, which says, you know, here's here's how you elect the president, and here's what Congress can do, and here's what the president can do. That's the what or the and and the how mm -hmm. um, of governance. But the founders, you know, Jefferson and Franklin and and Adams and you know all the others started with why exactly and whew, okay so Apple Martin Luther King America you can what is so exciting about what we've just shared is you can see this framework playing out in its fullest glory right there I think what makes it so special is how this idea really was born of adversity. And uh, what we were able to, to find is Simon really explaining how he sort of got to this idea. And so it's not often, Chad, that you and I get a chance to hear from someone so special about how they actually created the idea. And I really love hearing when we do get, when we, we search high and low and when we do find these, I think what's so special is it's it gives us a sense of perhaps some of the things we could do, some of the questions we could ask of ourselves when we're looking to make a big step or a small step, like just the the reflection and the thinking process that Simon went through, I think is really powerful. I mean, how many, Chad, how many of the different innovators and creators and entrepreneurs that we've studied, have we really heard the, the moment of genesis? There's not many, right? Yeah, it's it's a bit confusing for me because I've gone to many books on our subjects and so I think I was able to learn the Genesis story from, you know, third-hand right uh accounts in these books, but in their own words, um 
not many. I n- not any are actually coming to mind. Well, I'll help you. I mean, obviously, Branson continually tells us of these moments where he's like, "I'm standing at the airport," <laughs> right? Yeah, That's well, actually, and Joe deal. Gebbia too, and Airbnb, and yeah. uh, Oprah talked about the challenges that she faced and how that kind of motivated her. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I, look, I can only encourage everyone just to tune into this because we are we're about to hear from Simon just how how he got to this idea and where he was coming from. So let's get into the creation story of Start With Why with Mr. Simon Sinek. The why was born out of pain. Um, It was never an academic or commercial exercise. It was born out of a time in my life many years ago, 10 years ago, where I had lost my passion for what I was doing. I owned my own small business. I was living the American dream. Superficially, my life was fantastic. And yet, I didn't want to wake up and do it again. And I was embarrassed by that. You know, who am I to complain about my life? My life seemed perfect, and yet I hated it. And so I kept it to myself. Every ounce of my being, every all the energy that I had was invested in pretending that I was happier, more successful, and more in control than I felt. And it was debilitating, quite frankly. Um, Strange things start to happen when you put yourself in that cycle and the stress starts to build. You start to become paranoid. So for example, I was convinced that um, my employees hated me. I didn't go out much and it was really, it was really a bad time. There was a confluence of events and I made this discovery that every single organization on the planet, even our own careers, always function on the same three levels. What we do, how we do it, and why we do it. And it was based on the biology of human decision-making. It wasn't some highfalutin management theory. It was based on brain stuff. And I realized I knew what I did and was good at it. And I knew how I did it. I could tell you what was different or special about the way I did things, but I couldn't tell you why I was doing it. That was the missing piece. You have to have all three. I became obsessed with this thing called the why. I figured out how to find my why and it restored my passion to levels I had never experienced before. And more importantly, I figured out how to help others find theirs. And I did what anyone would do. When you discover something beautiful, you share it with your friends. And my friends started making crazy life changes themselves. And they started finding happiness and passion that they'd never experienced before. It was me solving my own problem that happened to help others solve it for them too. And people just kept inviting me and I just kept saying yes. I was making huge decisions that were really easy to make. Like I shut down my office and started over again because I realized the business I had built was so inconsistent with my why. All my friends thought I went out of business and they were worried about me. It was the easiest, easiest decision I ever made. In other words, when you know your why, the filter is clear. It's not like there are options. The option is obvious. There's only one option. Share, give, inspire. This clip is resonating with me so much because I'm going through my own personal transformation where I think this realization and uncovering of my true why. So I I had maybe a semblance or an inkling of what my why was, but just in the past couple of months, I've really solidified it. And then once I did like this, you know, this big uh, career and professional pivot that I'm making didn't quite seem so scary. And I'm really excited about the new opportunities. So I'm not going to leave you all hanging uh, anymore, but I, if I distill my own personal why to its essence, it's to help accelerate the pace of innovation for humanity. Wow. And I don't think I will ever <laughs> fully achieve that, but I think it's kind of Simon's point, 
right? That's right. It, it's got to be, there's got to be some serious stretch going on. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I got like little goosebumps there because I think I went through a, a smaller version of kind of his mid career crisis. I didn't have to close down a big old office and have my friends think <laughs> that I was going out of business. But uh, the, the reframe of my own why, I think, I, I mean, this is resonating so much with me. And, you know, I would encourage any of our listeners, you know, if you have a similar story or going through that process now, like, please, we want to hear about it and we can share about, or, I, you know, I'm, I would love to share about my experience, but um, I know that Sime is not alone because I experienced the same thing. And I think that's why so many people are drawn to it because once we understand how important the why is, we're like, well, yeah, why, why haven't I been thinking mm-hmm. about this <laughs> more? And, pu- and putting it at the center of what I'm doing, not on the periphery. Absolutely, and and that's that's what happens because you, you this this moment that you've gone through, that Sinet went through, that I've been through. It's where you you face, you reveal a truth that you have subconsciously felt. Why framework shifts it to a conscious state, so you can say what I am doing doesn't match what I want to do, what I want to be, the person that I believe I can become. And it sets you on this course and it is incredibly powerful. And I think this is just the first of many gifts that we have from Simon Sinek. We've learned how the greatest marketing company in the planet does its marketing. One of the greatest leaders of a civil liberties movement, how he did it. We, we realized how one of the greatest countries to ever exist was born through the power of why. And uh, it is so, so good. But we've got plenty more to come, Chad. I mean, are you ready now to shift into this whole universe of leadership and then we're going to shift into how you can use this in your personal and professional life? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Any thoughts before we jump into leadership, Chad? No. I mean... I would recommend everyone, I'll do my little mini uh, book review plug here. The Audible audio book of Start With Why is read by Simon himself. The book is great. Read by the author, it's even better. Because I'm sure, as you can hear, he's a very good orator. And it's one of the most well-read, if not the most well-read business book that I've that I've listened to in quite some time. So I would just, I would tell everyone, if you've got the Audible app, down, download the book. Uh, it's really fantastic to hear it in Simon's own Start words. Start with why by Simon Sinek. All right, let's get into to leadership. Now, what's really cool about uh, the way Sinek has decoded this framework is he's also thought about how it relates not only to leadership, but some of the biometric genetic science that's behind that. And so we're going to actually kick off this leadership piece by hearing from Simon talking about how science plays a role in leadership. If you look at a cross-section of the human brain looking from the top down, the human brain evolved into three major areas that corresponds with this little idea. The outside area, the what level, is our newest brain, our homo sapien brain, called our neocortex. The neocortex is responsible for all of our rational and analytical thought and language. The middle two sections, why and how, make up our limbic brains. Our limbic brains are responsible for all of our feelings, like trust and loyalty. It's also responsible for all human behavior, all decision-making, and it has no capacity for language. So we rationalize. 
And how come sometimes when you're not the best priced service quality features, you still have loyal customers? There's an inextricable link between leadership and communication. Those who lead are the ones who can clearly communicate what they believe, and those who can clearly communicate what they believe are the ones who lead. Hmm. Belief and leadership. For me, this goes back to it's not what you do, it's why you do it. And the, the why is the belief. And he, he, he also mentioned that your why leads to purpose. So all, all of these are inextricably linked in my mind. The why, the purpose, the beliefs. And that's what he's arguing is the true driver of you know, people willing to, be, to follow a leader or to right. buy a product from a company, uh, et cetera. Yeah. You know, for, for me, um, this is just when you, the way I kind of interpret this is it's when you do something great, like you and I were just working together on something in uh, New York and we did this big design thinking sprint over two days. And it's that feeling that you have when you come together as a team, you get something done, you couldn't have done it better, and you get the goosebumps, right? You feel great. And that is like, that's like your body is releasing all sorts of, you know, endorphins and dopamine hits and goodness knows what. But that's really what happens when you get together and you you lead together and you get the job done. That's the trigger that, that, that happens. That's the goosebumps, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's what brought us out of the valley of darkness, you know, that we all experience in, in that place in the project, you know, where you think that nothing can go right, but you kind of turn to your left and you turn to your right and understand that, hey, we're all in this together for this singular purpose. And we all share the same why, yeah, you know, because we agreed to it at the outset. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That is what gets us across the finish line. It's not you or I standing up at the front of the room cheerleading. It's actually because we all have the the same innate <laughs> yeah. drive. And yeah. Belief. Now, while we're on this uh, leadership tip, let's let's just jump in. There's another. We've got another thought from Simon on leadership, which is equally powerful. And uh, um, one one thing I have to say is, why do people put all these piano these sloppy piano tracks under all these speakers like just let their words do the music <laughs> like what is with these sort of overwrought piano tracks i'm well it's it's because it's because um there's all of these youtube channels like specifically dedicated to quote unquote motivational quotes and they're super lazy and they just have the same three sappy piano tracks that they lay over everyone yeah. whether it's like i don't know uh tom brady or simon sinek or whoever Barack obama yeah i mean uh, maybe this is our second uh wacky startup the first one is your doggy treats one the other one we're going to come out with is it's uber for dog treats mike get it straight oh sorry Sorry, Uber for dog treats. And uh, the other one we'll do is overwrought uh, piano uh, tracks uh, that uh, people can, yeah, dot com. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to leadership. Uh, let's, let's, let's kind of spice it up with uh, a few more thoughts from Simon on leadership. Every decision we make in our lives as individuals or organizations is a piece of communication. It tells the outside world something about who we are. 
The clearer you are about what you believe, the more disciplined you are about how you do things, and the more consistent you are in what you do, everything you say and everything you do then becomes a symbol for that set of values and beliefs. And the reason is simple. It's because when you talk about what you believe and you put your beliefs and your values in clear words or symbols, consistent enough, authentic enough that I know that everything you say and do represents what you believe, I will be drawn to you for myself, for my own survival, doing business with you, working for you, being your friend, says something about who I am. We follow those who lead, not for them, but for ourselves. This is for people who want to inspire those around them or who want to find somebody to inspire them. I can say without a doubt, you inspire me. Oh, thank you, Simon. <laughs> but, but I... <laughs> He's a bloody good, he's such a good speaker. Oh, yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. Like, at times I think he takes it a little too far, but I don't want to gloss over how complex his simple language is because I think, like, there's really only three or four core ideas in this book, but he expands it to book length because there's so many examples and mm. ways to understand understand these things but this is actually kind of a new insight that i'm pulling out of this that i didn't necessarily get from the the book so explicitly and i've heard you talk about something similar in that if we really distill our beliefs and values in a way that we can begin to create symbols mm -hmm. then it's those symbols that we the consumer or those who want to be led like adopt as our own because we see ourselves in them. So give me a practical example of that. Like let's let's dig into this for a second. Um huh. I think for me, I'm I'm trying to not use Apple as an example because it's it's already here on the show. Mm -hmm. Do you have one at the ready, Mike? You might have to come back to me. <laughs> well, well, I think there's a there's a couple of different ways around this. I think that once you have your why you can ask yourself, well, what are the behaviors and actions that will get me there? And then you can ask, also ask yourself, well, how should I behave if that is my my why? And you can do that either as a brand or as an individual. So to me, there is like from a brand perspective, there's all this idea of social proof, people demonstrating that they're on board with a certain why. The Livestrong Band is a, is a great example of, of that, for example. Um, to kind of express uh, your your inner movement, the red uh, products that that you know, for example, you can buy a red iPhone, and you're saying, "Hey, I'm investing some of my money into into the fight against AIDS." When you when you take it onto a personal level, I think um, there's like two ways to do this. There, you can hold yourself to a new bar, a new level, a new expectation of how you should behave in order to realize your why. One of the more external versions of that is to praise, rec uh, praise and identify and sy and symbolize behaviors in others that you really want to encourage. So, a great I got one. Uh, I'll come to yeah. I'll I'll just finish the thought and then you you can rip at it. So, a great example is parents often try to use positive reinforcement of behaviors in their children in order to set them up for success. So for me, the big thing here is really stressing effort on the, on the uh, side of my son. Whenever he really puts in an effort, 
I actually make a bigger deal of that than the reward or, or the, or the results, should we say. And if the results really good, for me, it's more about emphasizing the effort mm-hmm. uh, than the the result itself, because you won't, won't always do well in class or on the sporting field. So it's really important to emphasize the effort and the hard work that will set you up for, for that success. So that's like many dimensions of how you can lead yourself, but also help others become leaders on their own by saying, hey, I love it when you do that. That's great. That's awesome. That inspires me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was funny how I was struggling to think of an example because it's only very recently where I've begun to really think of myself as a leader and kind of, or at least try to and aspire to be a leader. But the example that I came up with when it when it comes to translating values and beliefs into a symbol is I've been organizing these gaming meetups for almost two years now and through meetup.com. So it's potential strangers that are signing up for the, these events and coming to these gaming meetups. Uh, we do you know, board games and, and role-playing games. I am a firm believer in inclusion of all peoples. And to demonstrate that, I have name tags. And on my name tag, I put my name, Chad, and my pronouns, which is he and him. Because I don't want someone that might not, you know, identify with uh, a stereotypical, you know, gender identity to feel excluded. So that simple act, I don't even have to tell people to put their pronouns on their name tags. It's just from that example, it kind of spreads. And before you know it, everyone there has put their pronouns on their name tags. That's, that's the most concrete example that, that I have. And it, it, it's really simple, but I think it makes a huge difference to the, I guess, people that I'm leading in, mm-hmm. in the meetup. And, and the diversity of the group um, that continues to come is, is an example. Exactly, exactly. And I'll give you uh, something that Sinek talks about a lot in one of his other books is that leaders eat last and great leaders in the workplace will join a meeting and be the last to speak because that is an act of humility but also it's a huge symbol in behavior to towards others that they can be leaders and it's the opposite of that traditional kind of swashbuckling cowboy like the CEO rocks in goes right guys here's what I think here's what we should do discuss what cynic proposes very much in in line with what you what you were just saying is you know the best leaders just come in and say, "Okay, what do you guys think?" Mm-hmm. So lots and lots there in this whole universe of of leadership. But hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, because we have got a stack of really powerful ideas that can help you in your personal life, help you in the office as well, and all of these uh, you can find. Um, written out in our show notes on moonshots.io. I am very happy to say that we have been dutifully putting content on the website now for for well over a year. So it is jam-packed with goodies. I'm taking a, a just a little breather here. We've had leadership. We've had this why framework in all of its 
all of its glory. Um, before we jump into personal life and work life, Chad, I wanted to ask, are there any ways in your personal life or, or your work life where you see yourself using a little bit of Simon Sinek or you've taken a, a clue from his thinking? How, how might we see Simon Sinek's uh, Start With Why inspiration in your workday? I think the most work that I've done in my work specifically around this framework is just simply how I position why I do what I do, how I do it and and what I do. And I have just come up with, I mean, you can go to my LinkedIn profile and see it. You, you'll see three sentences kind of to those effects. And I just simply ask, okay, what's the one sentence of why do I do what I do? And then, and also the how and the what. I think it's a really easy framework that anyone can do, not only just kind of for your own personal career, but your business and the way you position um, yourself. So that's the, and it doesn't, you know, I think if you start with the strong why, it doesn't really take very long to, uh, to get to the rest. So that's, that's my little like LinkedIn trick is, yeah, just use this framework to come up with your, uh, with your profile summary, and then you've got it. (laughs) All right. So we had the chat Owen why. I think it's, only appropriate that we kick off this section of the show with Simon Sinek talking a little bit about his own personal why. A true sense of purpose doesn't come from what we can do to get. It comes from what we can do for others. I'm an idealist. You know, I want to live in a world in which the vast majority of people wake up every single morning inspired to go to work, feel safe when they're there, and come home fulfilled at the end of the day. I had a good career in advertising, and I completely lost my passion for what I was doing. It made me feel like my my job was stupid. From Martin Luther King to Apple computers, it doesn't matter. Those are the capacity to inspire. Every single one of them, regardless of their size, regardless of their industry, thinks, acts, and communicates from the inside out. They all start with why. When you have the why, it gives you this calm confidence that when people are yelling and screaming at you what you should do, you go, I'm I'm good, I'm on my path. And so you've never seen a TM when you see the golden circle or why. And the reason is because I want others to take it, I want others to build on it. All of those techniques used to build a company in the 80s and 90s, they're not working anymore. What happens? Innovation suffers. Engagement suffers, productivity suffers, trust suffers. So, okay, you bastard CEO who thinks all the stuff that I talk about is craziness. And you don't have time to make these changes. We don't have time. It's a war out there. I know guys who go to war, and I'll tell you, it's not a war. You know, you tinker with money. (laughs) (laughs) You tinker with money. Yeah, I think... uh, this clip actually leads directly into the next where he he ties he he ties the this thinking around what your why is to how you demonstrate what your why is and how how that those are this gets back to you talking about it's the behaviors that is what's demonstrating your beliefs and attitudes so i'd like to actually just go straight into what simon calls the celery test tool to help you find a job or seize an opportunity in which you're more likely to succeed. It removes a lot of the guessing. Here's a metaphor to show you what I mean. It's called the celery test. 
We're constantly asking people for their advice on what to do or how to do it. It's like going to a dinner party and somebody says, do you know what you need? You need M&Ms. We've done so well with M&Ms, you've got to use M&Ms. Somebody else says to us, rice milk. In this economy, you have to use rice milk. Someone else says to us, Kit Kats. You have to use Kit Kats. And somebody else says to you, it's all about celery. We go to the supermarket with all this good advice from all these smart people with brilliant case studies, and we buy everything. We buy Kit Kats and M&Ms, celery and rice milk. There's a lot of time we spend at the supermarket and a lot of money we spend at the supermarket. And when we get to the checkout lane, we're standing there with all these products in our hands and no one can see what we believe because we bought everything. But let's imagine we know our why. Let's imagine our why is to always be healthy and only do things that protect the health of our bodies. Now, which products do we buy? Given all the same advice from all the same smart people, this time we only buy celery and we only buy rice milk. They're the only two that make sense. We spend less time and less money at the supermarket. And when we're standing there in line with only celery and only rice milk, now people can see what we believe. Somebody walking past can say, hey, I can see that you're healthy, so am I. You just attracted an opportunity or a referral or a friend simply by saying and doing the things that you believe. And the best part is it's scalable. As soon as I said the why, you knew exactly which products we were going to buy. This means the more you can articulate your why, the more others will know what you stand for and will be able to help you make the right decisions. From now on, you will work to ensure everything you do is a good fit. Isn't that just the neatest example, like what's in your shopping basket reflects you? What's, it reminds me of what's in your, uh, in your library. You know, you can tell a man by his library. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you know your why, the, the funny thing is I got very practical in my mind there. I was like, yeah, well, that's why I have this big emphasis on working out. This is why I have a big emphasis on drinking a ton of water, particularly at the beginning of the day. These are just things that represent what I stand for, which is being healthy. And the reason I want to feel healthy because I feel alive and energetic and clear-headed and relaxed. I feel great when I'm at my best like that. So I st- it's such a good way to, to see the, the why um, in action. Don't you think, Chad? Yeah, I think for me, you would spend maybe 30 seconds in my apartment or at my desk in my office and understand who I was because, well, for two, <laughs> for two reasons. I can, I can agree because I did that for the first time. Hang on, Chad. I did this for the first time. I mean, we've known each other for ages, but for the first time I stood at your desk, what, a week ago? What am I surrounded by at all times? Board games. It's books. <laughs> there were books. Let me clarify. There were books. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of books. There's a lot of books. Yeah, but too. I think I surround myself with books because I am a lifelong learner. Yeah. For me, that means books. So on my right, yes, I have some of my game books, but on my left, I've got my design thinking, innovation books from Tom Kelly, from IDEO and, and the likes. Um, and at home, I have all my film books and uh, the fiction that I'm reading and the other nonfiction. Like for me, it's just surrounding myself with books and now that I think about it, that is how I express my personality as a lifelong learner. And myself as well. I mean, you've seen my study. My study is just about one massive Dell monitor surrounded by books. And, you know, that it feels good and, it, you know, it reflects uh, what I'm about. What is really interesting about Synex thinking is that 
it powers some of the choices you make and it also can unlock your motivation, not only to go out and do great things, but but I particularly like it too because when you face adversity, if you always remember your why, you can get through it. Whereas if you're not really deeply motivated, you kind of hit some struggles and then you sort of jettison the mission. So we've got another clip here, and this is Simon Sinek talking about from where does passion come? Passion is not an actionable word. It's correct, you know, that those who do the things that they're passionate about do better, but it's not helpful advice. Um, and so the question is, where does passion come from? Um, passion is a result. Passion is an energy. Um, passion is the feeling you have when you're engaged in something that you love. Passion is the feeling you have that um, you would probably do this for free, you know, and you can't believe somebody pays you to do it. You know, um, and I think we mistake that passion is something we do in our private lives, but it shouldn't be done, you know, in our careers, for example. And I'm a firm believer that you are who you are. And anybody who says I'm different at home than I am at work, in one of those two places, you're lying. And the goal is to make everything you do in home and at work something that you have excitement to do. So how do you find the things that you're excited to do? Well, it's actually easier than you think. What are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you would do for free? You know, how can you recreate that feeling and, and be paid for it? So what are the things that I do on the weekend, right? I love, um, I'm very involved in the art world. I love to go to museums and galleries, but I love to go see uh, dance and performances because I want to see how others are, are interpreting the world. So that inspires me. New ideas, new thoughts, new ways of looking at the world are, are things that interest me privately and I seek it out and pay money for it, right? So does that mean I have to have a career in the arts? No, it means I have to have a career where new ideas are explored, where people are experimenting and trying things out, and I have to explore new ideas and try things out, and I'm just as excited to go to work every day as I am to you know, go do something on a Saturday night. Um, and so the idea of finding your passion is ironically simple because you should be doing stuff that you enjoy sometimes. What is the stuff that you enjoy, and then what is the stuff that you love? Who are the people that you love, and what, are those, what do they all have in common? This one's big, Chad. This one's really big. Yeah, I mean, it. My example of this, of this, you know, professional pivot that I've made, it's actually directly tied to me being a lifelong learner. I was feeling a bit of a plateau in my learning and what I was doing previous, and so I made the leap into this new thing so that I could jump back on to doing what I love doing all the time that I spend all my time doing when I'm not getting paid for it. It's, you know, it's learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here, here's what we, we can really take out of this clip. What I have found so powerful is to answer the question, would I do this if I wasn't paid? And trying to create, uh, particularly how we work in our careers, if you can create an environment that is as close as you can get it to something you would do without being paid. For me, this is one of the greatest efforts I've been on my entire life. Because like you, I had plateaued. Uh, I was running a big ad agency in San Francisco. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of done with this. It's not really me. I looked at my boss and I was like, I don't want his life. Get me out of here. And the freedom that I have had since then is 
I've been on a mission to try and design work, meaning the things I do with the people I do it are people that I would hang out with on my weekends, people that I would love to be with at a dinner party, people I'd love to play sport with, people that um, make me happy that I'm interested in, that I could think of nothing better than having a cup of coffee with them. Doing work that naturally makes my mind inspired, rich, uh, you know, all the well-being that comes from the thinking and doing and building something and feeling. To me, what has what comes from this thinking of Sinek is the challenge to all of us to create a work life that resembles something as close as you can make it that you would do without getting paid. How big is this, Chad? It is such a big idea. Yeah, it, and yet it's so hard, you know. Like <laughs> you, you and I are very, very fortunate. We we have we have very good circumstances in which to pursue this. But for those of us that that may feel a bit stuck in our work situation, what has worked for me in in those circumstances has been to find those small opportunities where you can volunteer or maybe go the slight extra mile to work with that team that is the people that you would hang out with on the weekend or uh, take on some extra workload for that project that you would do uh, even if you weren't getting paid. Now, we might have to kind of slide back into the things that uh, we're maybe not quite so passionate about, but it's not to say that you have to uh, abandon ship and and only do what you're passionate about. If you know, if if you have an established career, or you're at a company that um, you know you want to stick with for the long haul. It's it's for me. It's really about finding all of those small opportunities to 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 create those moments of of passionate work. Chad Owen, you're like a mind reader because this next clip is all about how to think about success. Because what you're talking about is us all making small or big steps towards our own success. So let's just jump straight into Simon Sinek talking about how we can all think about success. I think success is is, um, is seeing those around you work to their natural best and creating momentum for a vision towards a vision that will last beyond yourself. So a guy is driving a bus for 20 years, mm-hmm. got to retire, He's on Madison Avenue in New York, packed every day as people getting on that bus and getting off. Mm-hmm. He has two kids, a wife, lives mm-hmm. in Queens. Mm-hmm. He might call himself successful. Mm-hmm. Another guy might be vice president of that company who would call himself unsuccessful. So is success what you make of it? It's, success is a feeling. It's not a, it's not a series of check marks and goals. I think people define success as, as finish lines. You know, they, I, well, I ran a marathon, I'm successful. The question is, A, why did you run the marathon? And what happens after you've completed the marathon? Do you just keep running marathons? What happens if you break your leg and you can no longer run marathons? You know, we set, a lot of people set um, financial goals. I'm successful when I make my first million. Ah, okay, now I have to make my second million. It's, success is a feeling, and, and it's the feeling of contribution. So your bus driver in Queens, if he has decided that his job as a bus driver is to ensure that everyone who gets on his bus feels better about themselves because they got on his bus and not another bus. And so he greets them with a smile, he says good morning, he says goodbye, that people will remember that, that, that 
that ride that they took with him versus the, this vice president of the company who's made it about himself and his financial goals, he's the one who's unhappy as opposed to seeing those around him succeed and those around him go home with a love of their, their day, you know, because they come to work in his company every day. So I, I, I still believe success and, and good leadership are, are about service to others. Service to others, I think we're, we're bleeding into leaders eat last uh, <laughs> a bit here, but this like not, not making the success about yourself is a really interesting reframe for me and calling it a feeling and like not a goal or a destination. Mm-hmm. That, that's what mm-hmm. I'm taking away from, mm-hmm. from his I- ideas around success. And, and, it, and it's uh, an act thing that you can do for someone today, which is, you know, that's the empowerment here. It's not like, with all goals, the greatest challenge is you set some massive, lofty, far away, multi-year, you know, the classic 2020 goal, but it, mm-hmm. that all feels so, so far away. It's, it's just translating, what can I do today? Um, I, you know, I would love to pivot into to some of our work-life clips because I think uh, we've got a great clip that I'd love to end on about why all of this kind of why framework feels right but I think we should serve the the kind of the workplace a little bit here and how this comes alive and I hope all of our listeners are getting like a ton of ideas I hope you're taking notes from this and don't forget just head off to to moonshots.io if you want to um, find out a lot more about Simon Sinek and check out uh, all the links that we have there. I, I think there's two thoughts uh, around kind of jumping across to to our professional lives here. And the first one that we're going to hear from Simon Sinek is about being in the company of the right people. And, uh, you know, who is it, Chad, that says you are the sum? There was someone that came up with the idea that you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Is there something like that? How does that go? I never trust the origins of those uh <laughs> those things <laughs> it's probably an ancient chinese proverb right exactly but it is true oh absolutely don't you think like, absolutely you know it's like you 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 know you are the books you read you are the company you keep and uh well simon sinek's got some thinking on this too so let's have a listen to simon talking about keeping the right company i'm at my best when i'm around people who believe what i believe i know it seems silly but um I try very, very hard to sort of stack the deck, you know, to put myself in a position of strength. Um, so, for example, you know, somebody asked me just yesterday, "Have you ever had sort of a bad, you know, engagement?" And I was thinking to myself, "I'm like, not really," but it's not because I'm some sort of sort of genius or anything, anything like that. It's because I stack the deck. It's because I want to be there. I want to be around people who want me there. In other words, if I'm somebody's tenth choice, and like, you know, I'll probably turn it down. Um, whereas if I'm their first choice. They really want me there, and so I'm, I'm more likely to have a good engagement. They're supportive of me. I'm supportive of them, and so um, yeah, I'm at my best when I when I stack the deck. When I choose to be in an environment where where my strengths are are there. Such a good thought. Yeah, I I wonder how we find that, or how how you Mike might create that environment, or or find that right environment. Because I also see it not only as you know the friends or maybe colleagues that you work with. But in a way, it's also like your customers or your clients as well. So your business is only as good as your your five best 
clients or your five, uh, you know, main customer types. Oh, great point. Great point, Chad. So for me, this is a huge, 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 powerful insight that most people haven't tapped into. We often, when someone rings you up and says, hey, I would like to work with you, you get all excited and you run to them and try and convince them that you are worthy. I would say this is an equal transaction where they need to prove that they are worthy to work with you. We were together last week in New York celebrating like a fantastic project and there was you, myself, and two of our other colleagues sitting uh, together and we were we were swimming in a, in, a, in a halo of deep satisfaction of hard work that has paid off and we were all just savoring the moment, but that was equally a result of the wonderful client that, that we work with three people very closely at, at this client who are just great people. They are fun. They are smart. They care deeply about their work and they respect what we have to say. They listen and we accommodate all the quirks that both we, <laughs> you and me, Chad, and the client have. Like We accommodate each other and every time we've worked together over the last year, we've had success together. It's mutual. And so for me- We keep showing up together with them though because- we also believe what they believe. And vice versa. And, and the, the key thing here to, 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 to really, and what, I'm not saying that what we're doing is perfect by any means, but I'm just saying that the learning inside of what Simon Sinek was saying is don't just blindly take business from other companies, your, your clients or your customers Think to yourself for a moment, are these people that I want to hang out with? Do I feel comfortable? Are we aligned? Do we share the same vision? Can, can I see us coexisting together? Because I can tell you, we often sense when there's not a fit. And when we continue to work with people, when we knew before we started that there wasn't a good feeling, but we kept going... I can tell you with absolute certainty that ain't going to work out, is it, Chad? Those situations never turn to the good, do they? No matter how much you get paid. <laughs> that you know, no, not at all. So, so I think that it, it's a question of don't just charge in uh, and say, great, it's a project because that means we're aligned on the what. Are we aligned on the how we want to work and why we are working? And I think, again, Sinek delivers here and um, he's got another uh, uh, thought. Stay with us, uh, audience, because I know you guys are just furiously taking notes, but there's still so much to give because here's the next one. We've talked a lot about using the why to align with people, but let's go back one step. Let's say you're meeting someone, whether it's a client or whether you're a candidate looking for a job. Let's really get into why. Talking about the why, it, it's a little bit tricky. Sometimes maybe it's a little personal or a little emotional. We might not have the language or the words, but it's essential to find them because what we're going to hear from now is Simon Sinek talking about the power of communicating your why. What you'll find is that, that um, the better you are at communicating your why, um, people will want to work for you uh, 
regardless of the opportunity that you afford them. Like they want to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, we do a little thing which we've been doing for years and years and years called a give and take. Whenever there's any kind of relationship, whether it's a, 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 an outside partnership or even a, a, somebody who joins our team, we do something called a give and take, where we want somebody to be selfish and selfless within the relationship. So not give and get, but give and take. So we'll ask them, what is it that you have to give to us, that you have that you, you think that we need, right? And they'll tell us. And then we'll say, great, what is it that you selfishly want from us? And we want them to tell us what they can get from us and no one else. I believe in that so much. And when those, when those things match, you have a balanced relationship. Because, so for example, I'll, I've had it with people, you know, they'll tell me what they, what they have to offer and that's awesome because that's what I want. And then they'll say what they have, what they want to take and they go, oh, I want to work with uh, smart people. I'm like, plenty of smart people. What is it you want to take from me? They're like, oh, I want to help build something. Wonderful, do that anywhere. What do you want to take selfishly from me that you can get nowhere else? And if they can't answer the question, I won't engage in a relationship, and the reason is because in time, the relationship is unbalanced, they're gonna be giving, but they're not taking, and I don't even know how to give them what they want. Then they'll complain they're not making enough yep. money or that yep. because it's not balanced. That's right. Huh, I think I heard my friend uh, Gary V there on that clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, th this is, I don't think I've actually come across this clip from him. It's actually really interesting to me because this idea of reciprocity is in a book that I just read by Robert Cialdini, um, Influence. But I think it is so important, not just in business, but also in, in kind of a, a personal relationship too. Now, like it might not be a financial arrangement there, but clearly if you're not on the same page with either your partner or, or your close friends, someone is going to start to feel neglected. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what Simon is trying to get ahead of here in this give and take framework. Yeah. Very, very interesting technique. One of like so many different things we've, we've uh, covered today. I mean, if you go back to it, we, we've, we started with like just reversing the order instead of talking about what you do, start with why, because that's what people are buying. Whether you want to build a company, a movement or a whole entire nation, uh, it can do the job. And, and then what for me is 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 really powerful is understanding the behaviors that go with your why and understanding that when you talk about your why and you live up to your why people are energized by that they 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 want to be around people who know their why it it radiates this positive energy and uh, then we saw the famous celery test like know what's in your shopping basket at the at the end when you're checking out that should match up totally with your why and if there's something is out there then you need to look at what how or why and um i think that knowing this unlocks such a deep deep passion from within it creates motivation and it reframes how you think about success and you can use it in your personal and work life i mean holy smoke we're getting all of this chad from one book. I cannot believe it. This is one book, Jack. <laughs> and we have four more episodes to go here. So, <gasps> But um, it, feels pretty, it feels pretty damn good, doesn't it, Chad? Yeah, you kind of took all of my uh, learnings here. And the one that sticks most with me, I think, it, again, it's kind of one of those no-brainers, but the way he says it, I think, is concise and compelling, is simply that we connect most with people who believe what we believe. And so if you can understand your own beliefs, communicate those beliefs, you will then have better personal and professional relationships because again, your, your whys, your visions, your purpose is, is more aligned.
Yeah, and I felt like that's what was happening for us recently when we were together in New York. We were just surrounded by like quite a few people, but we were all like coming from the same why. We were all wanted to create something, do something that was inherently good. We had a good story to tell, a good product to create that would help millions of people. Like it just was goodness right there and there and everyone was there for a bit of that goodness yeah and centered around an idea that's very important to us it's in the title of our podcast i mean everyone was there to uncover discover explore share and create experiences around innovation yeah absolutely and there are other things you know that that other shared beliefs but you know that's kind of the easiest one to cut to to call out there, and yeah. it's you know what has brought you and I together here on this podcast in the shared belief that there are yes so many lessons to be learned from the greatest minds in entrepreneurship and innovation, and yeah, it's why we're we're going on fifty three episodes strong here. Whoop, whoop. Now I do want to sneak in one last clip. Chad, do you think I'm allowed to do yeah, that? Yeah, we might be breaking a record here. This is clip number 14. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, have a, have a, let's get some last thoughts from Simon Sinek on why all of this circle of why, why framework, why asking this damn tricky question that's three letters, why, why does this all feel so good? People often say that they think they have their why. Well, more than that, that they feel it, that it, it feels right, and they know they're in the ballpark, but they're struggling to find the words. That's okay. The most important part about this why process is that indeed it feels right. Remember, the why exists in the part of the brain, the limbic brain that controls our feelings. It also controls all our behavior and decision-making. And so we don't want to think that it's right. We want to feel that it's right. And once you have that gut decision that, that that's it and, and, and you, you get goosebumps when you start telling the stories that you think push you towards your why, then you know you have it. If you start to well up or have an emotional response, you definitely know you're in the ballpark. Then the trick is to find the words. And it's the words, it's the ability to articulate your why that makes it actionable. And so absolutely, the, why, the, the words will evolve, the words will adapt and change, but the meaning cannot. It's the meaning of those words, those words that give you that visceral feeling, those goosebumps that make you well up, whatever the feeling you have is, that's what's paramount. But the words you can tweak and change absolutely for the end of time. I've tweaked my why multiple times over the years, but the meaning of it and the basic direction is still exactly the same. It's like a submarine. When the captain orders the submarine to go north, the submarine doesn't go in a straight line. It kind of goes like this. And your why is the same thing. You need to know the direction it's heading, but it's okay if it goes like this as you're tweaking the words as long as you're moving in the right direction. Learning to start with why really is, especially in a business context, when you're interviewing for a job or pitching your services to someone, it really is remarkable. I get so many letters from people, you know, all excited that they went into a pitch or they went into a job interview and they started with why, and they were so excited that not only did they get the job, but the person who hired them actually said, we love dot, 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 and they repeat their why back to them. They don't talk about their qualifications or any of these things. In other words, it really does drive human behavior. And the more you get good at it, the more you start to feel um, and see uh, the results of, of starting with why. Hoo-ha. Yeah, I think the, this last connection, connecting the dots here across all of these amazing clips from Simon, what this is 
bringing home for me is this, it it comes down to this human connection. And so if we can begin to understand our why, begin to feel our why, begin to say our why, put it into words, what happens is there are others out there in the world that begin to see themselves in us, in our why, in that, that shared belief. And like going back to the, the older limbic brain inside of us, there's that primal attraction to, to our tribe. And I think that's really mm-hmm. what this, this is all about. Yeah. Well said, Chad Owen. We broke the record on clips, 14 clips, 90 minutes. I, I, uh, I would love to think, we've always said, let's make the show so you can do it in one commute. I think we firmly broke that rule today, but that's all right. Because Simon Sinek is totally worth it. And Chad, this won't be the last Simon Sinek show. What on earth can we possibly do after this? Well, I know that Simon's next book that he wrote is Leaders Eat Last. And then, Mike, you've got uh, at least two other books of his on your bookshelf mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can check us out on social media, everyone. You'll see the, the little cheeky joke that, that Chad's making here. As well, your bourbon is, is, it happens to be there at the, keeping those books quiet. Yeah, there's a bit less of it uh, in the <laughs> bottle from the last time I was in the Sydney office. Yeah, it, it, this, this is hard work. It didn't say it was going to be easy. Um, but yeah, we're going to dig into this uh, next installment of, of Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last, and oh my gosh, if you think Mike Parsons gets excited about Start With Why, you will find that I get very excited about this one as well. I have to add that after that, we are going to dive into a less known book, but nonetheless powerful, Together Is Better. Very interesting little book by, by Simon Sinek, a bit of a picture book. Uh, there. Then we've got a very practical tool of the finding your why. I mean, that's that's essentially the playbook that's going to go really deep in implementing the why. Yeah, it's almost like the workbook. It is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the last of the, the five-part series will be on his book, The Infinite Game, which is uh, taking his thinking to a whole new level and it's about dynasty legacy and like thinking in dynastic terms so very 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 exciting can't wait to get to the next show i just feel like refreshed just getting back into to start with why i mean i, mean, I must have read this like nine years ago i think and it's funny how it still the thinking still energizes me so much yeah and so many people just aren't taking his practically free advice it's so easy i don't know why more people don't don't do it yeah yeah it's it's been very powerful as i've said in work personally it, it is that that's what has really made that book so distinct that whether it's creating a story architecture for for our clients or whether it's me challenging myself, what on earth are you doing, Mike? Wake up. Either way, it's it's a great tool to uh, launch me into action and deeply, deeply rewarding read. T- totally, ooh, it's really up there on my favorite books. Um, probably top five business books, easy. So with that, Chad, we, we sort of get to to the end of our first installment. I'm I'm walking away with a lot of energy. How does the evening finish for you now that you've been pumped up with all of this Simon Sinek 
uh, are you able to relax? Are you going to do a have to do a Netflix and chill? I mean, what what happens next? No, it's back back to work for me. I'm actually gonna uh, I'm gonna issue a small challenge to all of our listeners. I'm gonna get on my LinkedIn profile and just be sure that what's up there uh, is reflecting of my why. Ooh. And uh, yeah, I'd be curious to see what other uh, profiles get updated after after this episode. But for for me, that's kind of the easiest and most practical way to to start to implement yes. some of the ideas yeah. that we've unpacked here yeah. on the show. My second advice to our listeners would probably be listen to this show again <laughs> and then take notes because they're, they're really Well and download the auto the audiobook yes, too. That would that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chad Owen, we are at the end. It has been fantastic uh, to share this journey with you and to all of our audience. Thank you for sticking with us for an absolute marathon of Chad and Mike. I truly hope that it was worthwhile for you guys because I have had such a ball. It was great. I can't wait to do the next show. Chad, I think we're at that point where we say goodbye and that's a wrap of the Moonshots podcast. <laughs>